Did you have a week like this, possibly? You worked hard all day and felt like you really accomplished something for your workplace, and you were the man or the woman. I mean, you did it, and nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. And you looked around, and you thought, I work myself hard, and nobody seems to give a rip. Can, can you relate to that? And, and then... The person starts to think, well, if I don't matter here at work, I guess I don't matter. And that leads us to thinking, well, do I matter at all? Do I matter at all? Have you ever just thought, you know, does my life matter at all to anybody anywhere? Well, this has been a question that's been asked by people for thousands of years, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. I want to look at a quote from possibly the smartest man ever to live. His name was Solomon. He was king of Israel. And over 2,000 years ago, look what he wrote. I saw all the works and ways of God, and it became clear to me that no one is able to grasp fully this mystery called life. Try as we might, we cannot discover what has been done under the sun. Even if the wise claim to know it, they really haven't discovered it. So the smartest guy ever is saying, you know, even the smartest people really don't get it. They don't really understand life. So there's a struggle to get it. There's a struggle to feel significant. And, and most people, if they're honest with themselves, they'll admit, yeah, I don't, you know, sometimes I wonder if I matter. And yet, we go out there and put ourselves all over social media like we're the most important person on the planet. I mean, isn't that funny? Kind of a contradiction. I mean, I mean, Chad posts all the time. It's just crazy. I did like the one where you had the wife mowing and your feet propped oh, yeah. up. You know, oh, that. yeah. <laughs> Snap your fingers and the wife mows. Couldn't that's what, resist. That's how it Sorry, Diana. It, it was just too good. But beyond that, you know, those kind of posts, people just think, you know, we all want to know what they had for breakfast or whatever. Where the writer, American writer, a few hundred years ago named uh, Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau, made this statement. The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Most men, and he's saying people, most people have a life that's just, there's this desperation, there's this problem, there's this inner turmoil. Well, let's look at one more verse that uh, King Solomon wrote about this subject of personal significance. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. Oh, what a phrase. Eternity in men's hearts and our emotions and our minds, our thoughts. We believe that we can see here that God has put that in you. That's why people ask the question, why am I significant? Because God put it in you to be significant. He put eternity in your heart, your emotions, your thoughts, and your mind. So we believe that God made you and me and everybody else to really matter, that you really are significant, regardless of if you got any credit at work last week or anything, to God, you are very significant. Now, in this series that we've entitled Seeds of Significance, each week we've been looking at a particular thing that God uses to produce a significant life for us. So far, we've discussed the seed of confidence and the seed of character, and to do this, we've been looking at the life of King David in the Old Testament of the Bible. He lived a very significant life, and he also, though, learned some lessons along the way. So we're going to talk about a time today when David got off track. 
He was leading the significant life God had called him to. This particular time, it was tough, but he was on track. But then he gets on track, off track, and he needs a fresh seed of significance to help him get back on track. So like me and you, David wanted to live a life of significance. Um, but his life didn't really start that way. It, it kind of started very obscurely. He was the youngest of a bunch of brothers. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's a pretty, pretty high, high chance he was an illegitimate child. So they kind of like kept him in the background, in the dark. You know, dad would, his dad would send him to the, you know, out to the, the, you know, the back 40 of the ranch and make him watch the sheep there. As a matter of fact, the day, a day came when this guy named Samuel came looking for who they were going to make the next king of Israel, and he stopped by David's house. Well, David's dad brought out all of his brothers. Y'all come on out, get washed up, you know, shave, whatever. I don't know if they shaved or not, but come out there and let's see if it's one of y'all. He never even called David. He left him in the back 40. Didn't, didn't even consider him at all. Well, fast forward, David was actually chosen to be the next king, and he, he ended up doing some really great things. We talked about uh, a few weeks ago about how he killed this Philistine guy who was the enemy of the Israelites, His, this guy named Goliath. He killed him. Uh, David ended up being a great leader. He, he ended up winning battle after battle after battle for the, the current king at the time was Saul, and he was doing great. Well, a day came when, the, when, when Saul got jealous. He saw how well David was doing and said, man, this guy is going to take over maybe too soon. or I don't know exactly, but he, he decided, I'm going to kill him. I'm the king. I'm going to kill this guy. I can't, I'm not going to have that. And so he starts hunting David down to kill him while David runs. And he, you know, he has to run for his life. And after, he actually has to run for his life for a few years. And so after a, some time passed, I can only imagine that David might have been thinking something along these lines. Maybe my life isn't significant anymore. I mean, I thought I, thought I was going to be the king, and I thought this, but this is wearing on me. And maybe I'm not, maybe my significance has run out. I, I'm just thinking, I'm guessing at this point, but I can only imagine if I was in that spot, I might, might be thinking a little bit along those lines. Well, David got tired of running for his life. And so he decided to do something. Let's take a look. 1 Samuel chapter 27. David kept thinking to himself. Y'all remember that, that little phrase? David, David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul's going to get me. I know what I'll do. I'll try my luck among the Philistines until Saul gives up and quits hunting for me. Then I'll finally be safe again. So David took 600 men. So he had the following. had 600 soldiers, and he took their families to live in this town called Gath. It was a Philistine town under the protection of the Philistine king, King Achish. So he went to the enemy's town. A word soon reached Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he, he quit looking for him. Like, okay, I'm not going to look for him. Well, if, if you just pass over this whole little story, it looks like David's plan worked. Like, okay, well, that was very unconventional to go live with your enemies, but it worked, and, they, and, and Saul quit hunting for him. But... At what cost did this plan work? Well, David put everybody's life at risk. All of those men, all of their wives, all of their children got put into a town of people that wanted to kill them. 
Now there, the king there, the other king had said, "Hey, I guess I guess he said, hey, you can't kill these people. I'll let I'll let you live here.' But can you imagine what it was like for them every single day walking in, around or living in a town where everybody that you know the the original people of the town hated you, wanted to see you dead. Matter of fact, some of them probably killed your brother. You know, I mean, it was it was tough. He put them in that horrible, in my opinion, a horrible situation, a, a situation of stress daily, uh, rough. David." David and his little, his army that he had, what they would do is while they were staying in this town, they would secretly sneak out. They would go to neighboring towns, which also belonged to the Philistines, and they would kill everybody. They would attack the town. So I guess in his mind, he was still, you know, fighting the, fighting the fight of the Israelites. And so in order for that plan of his to work, when I said he killed everybody, he had to kill everybody, man, woman, boy, and girl, you know, newborn infant, everybody had to die. So they, be, they just slaughtered people. They, they became a murderous army. And I'm not so sure that that's really what God's plan for him was at that time in his life. During this time period when all that's going on, it, all this happened within about 16 months, a little less than a year and a half. And while that's going on, we can look back through history now and see that David, who was a songwriter, who if you read in your Bible and you look in the book of Psalms, if you don't know where that is, look about the middle. If you have it on an app, I don't just type Psalms. <laughs> and um, you'll see a lot of those pieces were written by this guy David we're talking about. Well, during this time when he's in, in that Philistine town, he didn't write any, zero. That leads us to think maybe he was disconnected from God at that time. Maybe he wasn't listening to God at all. He was following his own plan of survival because this writing was such a part of him and it, it was all of a sudden gone. Well, things fall apart even more for David. When he, at about that same time period coming to an end, he leads his men and says, hey, we're gonna go fight with the king of the Philistines against the Israelites. Now, he probably, we don't know this, does, we don't read it in the Bible, but we can only, we can probably make a pretty good guess that his plan was to still fight the Philistines, still maybe kill them from behind, you know, maybe attack them in the middle. I don't know. But it didn't, ended up not happening. The Philistine kings, his, his um, general said, we don't trust this David guy. We don't trust his men. We don't want them around us. They, they're not going to fight with us. So they sent them home. When David and his men got home to the Philistine city, um, they found disaster. Another, another nation that these guys called the Amalekites had come in, and they had burnt the town. They stole all of David and his men's stuff, and they took their wives and their children and hauled them off. Let's take a look at their reaction. When David and his men arrived... They found that the town had been burnt down and that their wives, sons, and daughters had been carried away. David and his men started crying and did not stop until they were completely exhausted. Isn't that a sad picture? They come home discouraged that they didn't get to go to battle, and they come home to a burnt-down town. And then they realize that all their family, all their loved ones, and all their possessions have been stolen. What a horrible, horrible thing. And so it's very understandable that these guys would just cry their hearts out all day long. But 
it actually gets worse. Let me read a little more. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. That was an Old Testament way of killing somebody painfully. They were seriously, seriously upset, and they're talking about stoning him. That's, it's really gotten bad now, hasn't it? So what's David going to do? He's been running for his life for a few years already. He's been on the run, and so that's an option I think might have crossed his mind. Or he could just go beg them, guys, I'm so sorry I got us in this mess. You know, maybe he could beg his way out, or maybe he could manipulate his way out. He was really smart, smart, smart and shrewd is what I was trying to say. And uh, he could have just, you know, manipulated the guy's minds a little bit or whatever. And the truth is he was good at all three of those things. He had done those things. Well, as Chad said, he had been on the run and making bad decisions at seemed that he was very disconnected with God for 16 months. But now let's see what he does here. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Found strength in the Lord his God. So while his men are turning on him for vengeance to take out their anger, David's turning to God for help. This phrase here, found strength in the Lord, it means literally to strengthen yourself. So just like you'll be going to have a meal in a little bit to strengthen your body, David somehow strengthened himself in God. And I think it's you know probable that he prayed, poured out his heart to God, maybe worshiped. He was a great, like Chad said, songwriter. However he did it, he connected to God and was strengthened. And just like David, we can all gain life-giving, authentic strength by connecting with God. Think of their picture one more time. David's 600 men crying, cussing, rebelling, blaming him, and yet David's over here by himself. I can just see him. He's crying too, but he's connecting to God. Can you relate at all? Have you ever been to a place where it seemed like everything you were doing was falling apart, where every decision tries you might seem to end up in disaster? You ever been there? Most people have. Some of you may be there today, and our prayer is for you today to be encouraged in this message we're bringing. Well, fortunately, when David strengthened himself in God, got himself reconnected to God and to his help, then things happened. God gave them direction in how to go and reclaim their family and all their stuff, and they did. They were successful in that, and, and things started back in the right direction. He was starting to get back on track. Now, you might have had this thought. Now, wait a minute, Ed. Chad just said that he was disconnected from God, doing things his way for 16 months. And you're telling me in this one little phrase, he strengthened himself in God that everything was okay, that he could just reconnect with God just like that? Really? And the answer is an emphatic yes. Yes, David could reconnect with God quickly and instantly because nobody, me, you, Nobody is ever more than one step from God. You're never more than one step from God. You might feel like I'm a million miles away. I've disconnected from God, kind of like David has done, and, and I feel so distant. Well, the truth is you're just disconnected, and God's right there. 
We sang about it, his reckless love. He is always right there chasing us down behind us, just waiting for us to turn back his way. So nobody is ever more than one step from God. So why did David have to go through all this? What was God doing? What seed of significance was God trying to work in his life at this time? So we think that the key to understanding this mess is back at the beginning of this, this story with David. David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. Right there is where we think the key is to, to what was happening and why David went through this and, and then what God was working on, in him, uh, working on in his life. He kept thinking to himself. So can you see what's wrong with this picture? Uh, he's not talking to anybody else. He's not looking for good, you know, godly counsel, or he's not looking for people that have been there and done it. He's not looking, not, he's not talking to God and saying, I need some help here. I've been running. I'm tired. I don't want to run anymore. He, he doesn't, we don't see him doing that at all. What we do see is him thinking to himself. And so let me make a statement here. You can get totally off track if you only talk to yourself. How many of us in here have ever talked ourselves into doing something stupid. Yeah, see, uh, my gosh, more than once, right? More than once I've talked myself into doing something stupid. So apparently I am not the answer to my own problems. I I don't have the answer to fix everything going on in my life. What happens is we usually decide these stupid things on our own when we're relying on our own intelligence, our own knowledge, We're relying on our own capability of fixing things to help plot our course for life. Well, what happens is when we're doing that, if you take a picture of David, he's feeling pretty bad when he says, I'm tired of running. He's feeling bad. Circumstance and just his emotions and things are, they're just, everything looks bad. And so just like him, when we're alone and feeling that way, these these feelings, they can lead us to make harmful decisions, which most likely, as many of you admitted admitted by your little crack of smile or your little giggle, you've done. I know I've done. Like David did, he felt bad. He felt tired. He felt desperate. And he, what he did was he made a harmful decision to disconnect from God and to try it on his own. And if we listen to our own voice, we're destined to decide a direction that's going to hurt us. This, this is because you and I just don't know it all, and you, and you know this. I mean, if we knew it all, we, we'd all be super rich today, right? But we don't, and we're not. The worst decision in our life is to disconnect from God's help. We need somebody else. We need God, as a matter of fact. Now, it's crazy. If you think about it, it's crazy. Why? How do we do this? If we really just rationally think, okay, God knows everything. It'd be pretty smart for me to ask what he thinks about what's going on, get his input, get his direction, his leading. That'd be a smart thing to do. But for some reason, that's, for a lot, that's not our default. And I'll tell you where it started. I don't know why you do it exactly. I don't know why I've done it all the time, but I know where it began. It began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve one day messed up, and God showed up, and what did they do? If you don't know the story, you can read it in Genesis. Just start in Genesis 1, read through uh, Genesis 3. And 
they hid from God. They're like, well, we messed up. Well, I don't want to talk to God about it because he might be mad. I can't tell you how many times me or probably Ed, too, have talked to someone and, hey, man, you're welcome to come to church anytime. We'd love to see you. Well, I can't. I can't go to church because I've been bad because I've made some mistakes. I can't show my face in there. That, that would be, well, that's, that, all that thinking started back with Adam and Eve. So um, we'll get to it. While we still want to be significant in this life, what happens is we avoid our best chance of being significant if we disconnect and avoid God. Back in the middle of the 1900s, our country went through the Industrial Revolution. It had been going on for a while. And one of the last major accomplishments in America was the development of our national railroad system. And so railroads were being created to go to everywhere people lived, and it just changed everything. You could get things a lot easier. I mean, Amazon was shipping in two days, I'm sure, you know, back then. Well, there was a problem, though. In the mountains of Wyoming, they had put the track in and gotten everything ready, and then when the train tried to go through these mountains, it couldn't make it. They were too steep. And so there was no train engine that could pull a train full of cargo through these mountains. So they had a problem. They had a power problem. And so they got engineers together and got to designing and building, and they built this super big steam engine called the Big Boy. They nicknamed it Big Boy. Big Boy weighed over a million pounds. That's a lot of steel, isn't it? It put out over 6,000 horsepower. And it was so strong, they'd hook up a long train, weighed down with lots of cargo, and Big Boy would just pull it up through the mountains, no problem. Just not a problem because it was so powerful. Well, in our life, we face mountains sometimes, don't we? Obstacles. We're just going along and everything seems just fine and I'm making progress and then we just hit a wall. There's just something way bigger than us. Well, God wants us to hear this today that if we'll connect to him, he can pull us through any mountain we face. He can pull us through any problem because he'll be with us. He'll be guiding us. He'll be strengthening us to get through it. So what seed do we, like David, need in our tough times? What, what can help us? Simply this. Stay connected to God and his help. In tough times and challenges, when you're facing your mountains in your life, Stay connected to God. You can receive his strength and his help if you'll stay connected to him and his help. So that seed of significance that we're talking about today is a connection to God, staying connected to God. And because I know that you've talked yourself into stupid things before and you've disconnected from God and tried to answer your own questions because me and you are the same, uh, I want to pray for all of us for, for some help in this area. So if y'all would pray with me. Lord, I just lift up each and every person in here today. And God, we've all at some point disconnected ourselves from you and just tried to figure things out on our own. We've, we've left the, the, the things you wanted to say to us and just tried it, just tried something else. And God, I pray that today as many of us in here look to you and say, you know what, I, I need to reconnect today. As we, we determine and as we, we just, we're just honest with ourselves that, man, yeah, this really isn't going the right direction. I'm, 
I'm really falling apart here. Lord, we thank you that you're just that one step away. And I pray that you connect with us this morning, that you speak to our hearts this morning. God, we wanna hear the things that you're saying to us. We wanna go where you're taking us. We wanna, we wanna be the, the men and the women that you have created us to be. God, we want this, we want significance to grow in our lives and we wanna take our best, our, our best chance at it by connecting with you today. God, some of us in here may have never connected to you at all. And for those that, if that's us, for, for those of us that we're, we're thinking that, will you reach out and touch our hearts this morning? And if that happens to be you, that, that, that's where you're at this morning, folks, just say, God, I want to connect to you. Tell them, I, I want to I go your way in my life. I want to be part of your family today. Dear God, I thank you for answering these prayers, for reaching out, for grabbing hold of each and every person in here this morning with your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.